Hey, welcome to the Nashville Statement Podcast. I am Nashville Statement, joined as always by Nashville Statement and Nashville Statement. What about uh, Hot boys? Take? Is Hot Take joining us today? <laughs> no Hot Take today. It's just the just the three of us boys in studio where, uh, where actually we will not be talking about the Nashville Statement. So uh, I don't know if people are going to be able to find opinions on it is the only thing. So I, I worry that that we're not throwing our opinions into the ring. You know, there's, there's not just going to be quite enough dialogue on this topic. You feel me? Well, I mean, concerned about that. Do you share that concern? I share that concern. I also, I also think it's amazing that we might be the only like podcast in existence right now. That's not going to be discussing it or that we're just discussing that we're not going to be discussing it. Oh baby. And I'm going to miss that discussion. You know, (laughs) nothing gives me life like discussing stuff like that, but, but, you know, I digress. We're not actually going to do that. What we are going to do is brew up a pot of Ligaris Roasters Happy Rant Signature Blend Coffee. Uh, we're going to enjoy that. We're going to sip it like gentlemen while we talk about some other things uh, that aren't the Nashville Statement, uh, which, I'm, which I'm excited about. If, you, if this is your first time to the program, uh, my name actually isn't Nashville Statement. My name is Ted Cluck. I'm joined in studio by Ronnie Martin and Barnabas Piper. And uh, we talk about three things on the program, and today those three things will not uh, include our opinions on the Nashville statement. But uh, boys, I want to talk about um, something, something parenting related that we've probably all dealt with because we're all parents. And uh, it's the, the whole good job buddy culture, um, the whole sort of compulsion amongst parents in our generation to make their kids feel like they're the specialist, sweetest, most attractive, most amazing kid in the room. And uh, my question to you guys, and maybe we'll start with you, Pipe, because you have, you have the youngest kids of the three of us. Um, do you feel this pressure? Like, do you feel like every time your kid does something, you have to, you know, pat them on the back and make them feel like it was the most amazing thing you've ever seen? I don't feel the pressure from the outside. However, there is like I understand it doesn't bother me that uh, that other parents might think I'm a little hard on my kids if I tell them, you know, work harder, do better. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you didn't do that great. You know, <laughs> that was a, that wasn't that wasn't the objectively best job. Um, I do feel the pressure from my kids, though, because mm-hmm. looking your kid in the face and saying you're not awesome at that is a hard <laughs> thing to do. Uh, if you also want to be a supportive parent. So right now, my older daughter, who's, uh, who just entered middle school, she's in the, she's in the middle school choir or chorus or whatever they call it. And they're doing some auditions for an upcoming, uh, an upcoming show that includes some, some solos and some duets. And she is so excited to audition. And I can tell you, she's in a, she's just objectively not a great soloist. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> She she's not you know wow. it's not, like, it's not like she's, she's not a listener to the program. This the whole be, world has just found out some interesting. I think we're going to lose a subscriber. <laughs> yeah, some somebody is going to tell me I'm destroying my child's life. I'm sure. Um, oh, you are too. But here's the deal: I know she's an objectively not great soloist because I know her mm-hmm. her gene pool, and uh, mm-hmm. those things don't just <laughs> magically happen. Um, right, and so. And she can, you know, she's fine in a choir context, but like she should not be the leading voice. And, and so now I'm wrestling with, okay, I, I want her to audition because Mm -hmm. auditioning is a good, bold step. I'm proud of her for wanting to do this thing. Absolutely. Uh, I am certain that she's not going to get the solo. Mm -hmm. So now comes the, the, the aftermath of dealing with, okay, how do we tell her like, 
Is it better luck next time? Is it maybe this isn't for you? Is it I'm really proud of you for trying? Like there's there's sort of this <laughs> spectrum, but I don't want a good job, buddy, her. And, and then and then puff her up to think like that kid got it and they didn't deserve it. You deserved it. Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what that's the pressure from the outside is people always tell their kids like you should have gotten that. And so their kids constantly mm. go through life with a, a fat head complex. Yeah, and a huge chip on their shoulder yeah. because of everything they didn't get, supposedly. Right. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of value pipe in people trying things and, and not getting it. You know, I, I think that's actually what makes you a sympathetic non-douche later in life, you know, having had some of those experiences. So it is really valuable. And I think, yeah, I think lauding your kid for, you know, it took a lot of guts to get up there and sing a solo in front of a a panel of people who are going to say thumbs up and thumbs down. So like you, I think you applaud the courage and um, you, you don't necessarily have to say that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard, but you can say, you know, I really think the world of you for giving it a shot and you did your best. So that's great. Um, Big R, what, what kind of experience have you had in this space? Yeah, I think, man, uh, you know, since I'm, you know, since I was raising my kid in like the 1950s or however old I am now, I, it was, uh, exactly. Yeah, I know, man, it's rough, but it, you know, I, I don't know if it was so, it was obviously pervasive back then. Mm. Um, you know, the whole, like, you know, we give everybody a trophy kind of a, mm. kind of a culture. And, and, um, I, you know, I think, you know, even f- going back to our pre-show prep, I think one of the big, one of the big lines that we discussed between the three of us is it, is it a good thing to tell your kid that it's okay to fail? And I think, mm-hmm you know, I think it is, you know, I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's something that we need to, uh, I think it's something that we need to affirm in them that, Hey, you're not going to be good at everything. It's okay to not be, not only not be good at it, but to, uh, but to have a, many moments in your life where you fail, we acknowledge that failure and we mm-hmm. can treat it like it's not, not the most terrible thing in the world, but that it's something that's building something in you to prepare yeah. you for life, you know? And yeah. so, um, yeah, I mean, I, but I think I, I, I really like what a pipe just said though, because like, it's not even, it's not even getting that pressure from the outside, but it's like, mm-hmm. as a parent going like, man, I hate looking my kid in the eyes right now and saying, you know, um, this isn't your gig, baby. You know, and uh, that's cool. I mean, you're just, yeah, we're not, we're, uh, you're not incredibly uh, gifted for this, I don't think, but you know, there, Mm -hmm. there are going to be some things that you are and let's, let's, uh, let's have some good discussion over that, you know? And uh, so I, I think, you know, and, and again, to, to bring it to more of a humorous note, I, I think what we're talking about right now is a possible uh, future book by the three of us, a parenting book, maybe coming out on Crossway called, uh, Hey kid, you're no good. Baby, uh, I, you're always working that angle. I, always. I kind of liked your phrase, not your gig. Like, hey, kid, not your gig. I, yeah, I think, kid, not title. your gig. You're no good. Uh, you're the a failure. Be, I mean, yeah, we can go anywhere with kid. this thing right now. Hey, kid, colon, not your gig. I, I think yeah. that's the book. Baby, maybe you can pitch that to the B-list guys who you're going to be road tripping with this week and your exciting travel opportunity. You know what? Uh, do you that's think, a, that's do you think maybe they idea. would write a forward? I mean, you know, may, you know I mean, I, I don't think it ever hurts to try, right? I mean, I may fail at that. I may fail oh, at getting yeah. them to write that forward. They may but say I, writing, but I'm, writing isn't your gig and, and being an A-list speaker isn't your gig. But you know what? Right. We, we appreciate the effort. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Good job. Good job to you for trying. So I for me, this, that, is, yeah. this is more of a, like my guys are more athletes. So it's a little bit less of a performing arts kind of problem and more of a sports problem. But where I see it is... Um, I just want to see maximum effort out of them. Like as long as they've done their very, very best, I I could care less really about the outcome. But 
when, when my kids dog it or when I feel like they're, they're kind of hedging, they're not trying as hard as they can. That's mm-hmm. when it's really hard to get into the car and say, good job. And in fact, I will not say good job. Um, you know, I'll try my best to like turn on some music and chat and, you know, do stuff that we normally do in the car, but, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to pat them on the back and like buy them an ice cream for, for going out and giving a 50% effort. Like that's not going to get you praise and accolades in, in the car. And I think one of the struggles that we've had this year, so our, our kids go to a small Christian school, which decided to stop playing high school basketball, basically just because it was too hard and they were losing too many games. And this is a, a small Christian high school that lauds itself for like, you know, we're building young, brave Christian men of character. And I'm like, what's brave about just folding up the tent and saying it's too hard. Like, I think that's a joke. Um, yeah, I learned, I, a, I, I learned a lot of character from playing on a terrible high school football team. Like, Absolutely. I think, I think we won Absolutely. four games, my, my junior and senior year combined. Yeah. And and so, yeah, I mean, the, the ability to roll back out on the field in the fourth quarter when you're down 38 to seven and you're mm-hmm. you're you're the starters and you're playing against the other teams like sophomores because exactly. because they don't even they don't even need to try anymore. There, there is exactly. a there is a lot to be learned from that. And I mean, the same would be true in rolling the ball on a basketball court when you know you're going to lose, you know, 72 to 34 or something like that. Exactly. And, and I just hate the message that it's sending to these kids, which is you know what, be a quote unquote, bold, courageous Christian man. But, you know, we're going to go ahead and fold up the tent uh, whenever this gets too hard. And we just don't like the feeling of losing. So we're, we're going to take our ball and go home. I just, I, I don't like that. I think there's, like you said, pipe, a lot to be gained for, uh, if you really love the sport, you really love the activity, you know, you got to go and just give maximum effort and let the chips fall. Um, I mean, I how- think- yeah, go ahead. T. I just think we're, we're, we're in a culture that likes to orchestrate perfect experiences for our kids. And if it's not perfect, then we all go home in a huff, you know? I mean, even the, even the idea, I mean, not, not to be like, not to be weird, but like, why is, you know, why, like, why do we lead with winning? Right. Like, why is winning always like the end game? Why is it the most important thing? Like, like as a parent, you're, you're going to lead with success, right? You're going to lead with winning. Um, why, I mean, we we're literally like, we're literally wired that way. Like, why is that so deathly important for us to lead with that mentality? Instead of saying, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have some wins. You're going to have more losses than wins. And, right. um, I mean, that, that's how character is being built. That's what God actually uses in our, I mean, dude, you look in scripture. I mean, none of the, those dudes had like one win each and like 298 losses, you know, in right. all of their lives, all of their ministries, everything right. that God was doing in them, hardly ever any wins. Right. Yeah. But yet we lead with sort of this, um, this sort of this, uh, you know, we're, we're like salivating for wins. We're acting like life isn't complete unless there's there's that sort of thing happening in our lives. It's just, it's actually, it's, it's actually kind of, uh, it's, it actually is, uh, it's, it's contrary to even, uh, even, even to the gospel. I know, man, I'm, I'm getting a little reform pub right now, guys. So <laughs> let me, uh, well, let me back it off a little bit. I mean, let just me to, cloth. To, to broaden that out a little bit though, the, the idea of wins and losses doesn't apply to most of life. Um, right. you know, sports is a zero sum game. Like there is a winner and there is a loser. And when you walk off, if you walk off the field, you walk off the court and you've done your best, but you still lost. Like there's still a sense of dissatisfaction there. And people who sure. say otherwise are full of crap. Like 
yes, you can be proud of yourself for giving your full effort, but that's not true in the rest of life. In the rest of mm-hmm. life, if you put 100% effort in, it's not a zero-sum game, you know? Right. There's, there is gain and progress and character and relationships and, and all of these things that that, that effort – and that commitment pays off in over time. And that's where, so if you're protecting your kids from losing, you're, you're also diminishing their opportunity to learn, to learn things that play well in a non win loss scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I know for myself as a, as a sports parent, like I've fallen victim to that so many times, you know, like who cares who wins an elementary cross country race? But yet I drive home in a bad mood because my kid didn't win, you know, and it's just like, who am I? Like, I, I always I drove home in a bad mood because I had to be at a cross country race. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You, you kind of start out in the, in the, in the bad mood. I mean, only a, only a professional athlete has anything to like lose from losing, which is his job eventually. I mean, everybody else, it just, yeah, it just true. does not matter. You know, very I mean, true. if you want to get pragmatic about it, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, like pipe said, if we, all the stuff we do, there's gradations of, of winning and losing. You know, you can look at a book and say it wasn't as successful as the other guys, but at the end of the day, you got paid for it. You fed your family. You did a good book, hopefully, and um, hopefully there'll be another one. You know, and there, there probably will be for you, Ron, after your weekend with, with these guys. Now, are you, gonna, are you like sharing a car? Is it like David Pallison's going to bring the snacks and, and like Dave Harvey's going to bring the tapes and like you're going to take a nice long pull driving? How's that going to work, baby? Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, pretty much exactly how you just described. I mean, okay. if 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 I don't get some palace and snacks in me, I I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say that the trip wasn't worth it. He's a lot, fun, a lot of a lot of hijinks in the car. A lot of absolutely. Like, Is yeah. he a Chex yeah. Mix guy? He strikes me as a Chex Mix guy. Guys, I'm gonna report on this next week. I'll let you know what kind of snacks were uh, were you know were were sort of you know were you know got you know literally and 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 so to speak you know came to the table with uh, these meetings and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of lay it out for you what it was like hanging with uh, Harvey Pallison and Andy Crouch and you know, Maybe what it's, can, what it's I like to be in the middle of a, exciting that must be, of a B plus you know? list like that. I don't know. Is Pallison a list or B list or where, where's he at with that? I mean, I, you know, I, I, don't I mean, know. I'm I, the wrong guy to ask. I don't really care about any of those guys, but I feel I like he's, what do you think? He's like a behind the scenes guy. So like he's the influencer of influencers. So like if you, if you headline a conference with him, um, I don't know that he's going to draw a lot of people, but you put him at a round table with a, b- a bunch of other respected people. They're they're all going to pay attention to him because yeah, they, they, they all guy. think he's you know he's. See, he's I the feel man. like in that in that car in the like you know Toyota Camry that is this example. Like I feel like Andy Crouch is the A lister, right? That's his I name, Andy Crouch. I feel like he's the kind of guy who's always like trying to slip into conversations that he went to Harvard or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did he go to Harvard? Is he? I don't kind know. Of guy? I think I don't know yeah, anything about him. I just read a book it, by him for Harvard the first time. Or Yale, I'm not sure which. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. That reminds me of when I was at Harvard. You know, yeah, that kind of thing. Like yeah. that that truck stop. It reminded me of this thing we used to do at Harvard. Ted, what I'm the, just going to say every time odds? he says that, I'm going to say it just reminds me of when I was in Ashland. Oh, and I still am. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Ted, the Harvard the, of East Central Ohio. <laughs> what are the odds that one of those guys is addicted to Nest Tea? Like, oh, yeah, just yeah. he just like just has has uh, always has a like a jug of it with them or like a glass bottle of it. Like it's it's sort of their go to. And somebody else is a Coke Zero fan, which is really disappointing because Coke is doing away with Coke Zero. It it, it has to be the case. And Ronnie, yeah. you, we need you to report back on these things. I'm going to give a full report, man. It's all coming. 
Dude, oh, we okay. need to we need to predict now though. I see Harvey as the Nesty guy. Um, I see Crouch as the Coke Zero guy, and um, Palison. I don't know, man. Baby, I already have experience no with Harvey. I, Harvey is not an ST guy, so you might want to edit that a little bit. I'm just telling you right now. I already know Harvey. Oh, no, no insider trading on these betting lines. Yeah. I'm just telling. Yeah. I'm just trying to be trying to be kind right now. Trying to be kind. Interesting. So, we'll figure it out. Allison we strikes will. me we as will. like a water no ice guy when he's at the restaurant. Slice of lime. Water no ice, slice of lime. Absolutely. <laughs> Crouch strikes me as the kind of guy that always asks the follow up question about the iced tea. Like, is it fresh brewed? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Are we looking at a fresh brewed glass of iced tea or, or the other kind? Because if it's the other kind, I'm out. I'll just do a Diet Coke. You know, he's that guy. Coke it, Zero. It, I used to drink a lot of Coke Zero at Harvard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about something else, something kind of conceptual. But before I do that, um, I want to shill. I want to shill for our stuff. Uh, I want to talk about an event called Live in Louisville. You can read more about it at happyrantpodcast.com. Uh, live in Louisville is a live event featuring the three of us in which we will be in a room for a couple of hours talking uh, to people who are in the audience. So we're going to tape a couple of programs, a couple of episodes. Uh, Pipe, when is Live in Louisville? Uh, October 22nd. And that is a Sunday evening. It is in Louisville at the Sojourn Church. I think it's the East Campus. All the details are at happyrentpodcast.com. It'll start at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Although if you get there early, I'm sure we'll be hanging around. We'd love to chat with you uh, because Ted is such an extrovert and loves everyone and (laughs) loves small talk. So, um and I actually then, do well in those contests. And man. Ronnie I'll, I'll loves tr- Ronnie loves vague, open-ended questions. So come mm-hmm. with those locked and loaded. Um, but we, yeah, we'll have we are working with Lagar's Roasters on having coffee there. We are working with Missional Wear on having some swag there. We have a couple publishers who are sponsoring, so we will have free books for those in attendance. We will have our own books available for sale. And uh, it'll be a couple hours. We say it's from eight to ten, but I don't know that there has to it has to be a hard end time. Uh, if it's if things are going well, we'll keep rolling and keep recording and have a good time. And it costs ten bucks, and that's just to help us cover the cost of all those things I just listed. Outstanding pipe. Uh, I, for one, am very much looking forward to live in Louisville. And uh, if you haven't done so, you should get a ticket and you should order some Lagarus Roasters coffee. But boys, all of this online ordering and purchasing. Uh, that we speak of would be uh, impossible. It would have been impossible like 30 years ago. Um, and Big R, you posed the question. You were you were the topic guy today in the production meeting. Uh, but you posed the question: What would our respective jobs look like um, without all the tech that we have today? So I think we gotta we gotta we gotta like frame this up a little bit. So how far back are we going? We need to assign a year to this, and then we need to look at our jobs. Uh, in terms of what they would look like in that year. So you mean like what level um, of technology has been invented? What level of tech has been invented? So, so like we're like printing press. Way. Yeah, we're not going like Civil War era, are we? We're going. What what, what are we? I think we're going at? like I think we're going like man when you had an actual telephone on the desk. Yeah. Um, you had like to to trade information. You had this thing called an FAX machine. Ooh, the fax machine. I love and, it. And uh, yeah, I just to where it. things, you weren't so readily available mm-hmm. unless people could get a hold of you on the phone. Maybe let's you go, uh, let's go 1985. All right. Okay. It was the year the bears went to the Super Bowl. It was, exactly the, year was that, it was the year that back to the future came out. Um, 85 is a good year. So let's, let's call it 1985, the mid eighties. Um, and let's start with, uh, let's start with you, big R. What is, 
What is pastoring? What does being a, a man of the cloth look like in 1985? I mean, that's what's crazy since I was a teenager. So I'm just, it's all theoretical, right? As I'm thinking mm-hmm. through this and I'm thinking like, this is kind of what I'm thinking. You're, you're, there's a sense where, and I don't even know how this stuff works out, right? I would love to, I would love to talk to a dude that was back at that, you know, in that era doing this. But I feel like you're a guy that has to have an office because that's the only way that people are able to, uh, to get a hold of you. And you got to be yeah. somewhat like accessible to a phone mm-hmm. um, because how else are people going to like schedule appointments? There was, this was probably the era where people did this weird thing where you were at a church and they used to stop by and see you. Right. Because that mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. like, dude, that doesn't exist anymore. Right. People have instant access to you no matter where you're at. You don't have to have an office. Like I can, I can work at our church cause we have a building, but like, I, I don't like, I'm all over the place. I like being mobile. I don't like being chained down. And so I have the, I have dude, the no ability. Way. Yeah. I have the, uh, I have the ability to do that. So, um, I can't imagine just having to be in one spot because if I'm not, nobody has, nobody has that kind of access to me. And I think, that would be one of the things I'm thinking of that just would be so difficult for me to be as I'm sitting in my office, I'm putting my, uh, you know, actually I wouldn't even have a VHS tape of back to the future because it just came out. So I'd be thinking, <laughs> man, can I get to the theater by like four 30 so I can see the afternoon showing. Right. That's right. So that's right. Um, and because you're a pastor and you have a flexible schedule, you could do that. Yeah. I can go but, see a movie every, every afternoon at four 30. Ha- yeah. Do you have a flexible yeah. schedule? If you have office hours, you have a flexible schedule when you can work from anywhere because you can just sort of be like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm going to take the afternoon and go do this. But I know that in the evening it's going to, you know, I don't have this thing going on. If you have office hours, is it, is it a little bit more nine to five? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, again, I've even I've worked in those contexts, even, you know, post all of that where they had office hours. And it's just, I mean, we don't, we don't, man, we're, we're sort of, you know, for certain vocations now we're outside of that office hours mentality, you know what I mean? So we're, which is not good because it means we're always constantly working and we don't have really good parameters for when that turns on or off. But I think in the case of pastoral work, yeah, there was probably a good part of it. And there was probably also a part of it, which was like, man, I feel like I'm a little, uh, chained down. So, uh, I don't know that those are just some, uh, some initial thoughts with that. I'd like to hear from you boys about what, what you guys do. Well, having, what about yours? Having, well, having been a pastor's kid through the eighties and nineties and two thousands, I remember, I mean, I remember like rolling into church to say, Hey, to my dad or, and he Mm -hmm. worked from home a lot. You know, he, Mm -hmm. he made a point to work from home. So his library was mostly at home, but I remember the other pastor's offices, they're like lined with books. That's where they did their studying. That's where they held meetings. You know, they had like circles of chairs and a table in the corner for, for planning meetings. There was, you know, there were secretaries and, and, and receptionists because those are the people who took the messages. If, if I called the church to get a hold of one of the staff members, the receptionist, would take down the message on a little pink slip and like leave it on their desk. And that, you know, it was just, it was just a totally different, totally different thing. So they would come back from a meeting and have all of these messages there as opposed to like texting during the meeting with whoever was trying to get a hold of them, for example. It was, dude, that I was want to go strange. back to that, man. I want to go back to the pink little message slips and, and do away with texting completely. I, I think that would be a good, that would be a step forward for me. Oh yeah, we the texting. This is just a, the sidebar. the mm-hmm. The fact that technology has created an obligation to respond to people on their time frame is so oh. frustrating to me. Oh, you know, somebody worst. shoots you a text, and if you don't respond within, I don't know what the appropriate amount of time is, somewhere between seven seconds and seven hours, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you're just a douchebag. 
And I'm oh, like, yeah. yeah, that's my phone in my pocket. What if I don't want to respond? What if I have chosen yeah. to not be available? You, you is is your text saying, "Hey, what's up?" more important than me saying, "I don't want to answer." Hey, what's up? I don't know, but but technology has totally changed the expectation of of availability, and that's very annoying to me. Mm. It is over. extremely annoying. So, Pipe, you're a you're a business guy. You're a you're a marketing guy for a book distributor. Um, what is what does that look like in 1985 as as opposed to right now? Um. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's much simpler mm-hmm. in the sense that, uh, so publishing marketing now is a challenge because, um, A, because there's so much more noise. Publishers used to be much more the gatekeeper of content. So when publishers came out with a book, um, bookstores were alive and well and thriving because that was the only way to buy books. So if you could get books placed in Barnes and Noble and Borders when that existed and B Dalton, mm-hmm. and then there was a thriving independent bookstore. Dude, B Dalton, that's yes. very 1985. Yes. Yeah. Cause that. it, because it was, it was the mall staple. It was always yeah, near, like, near the, dude, don't forget crown. Yeah. Near yeah. the, near the food court. Um, dude, you go to the mall, you hit a little music land, a little B Dalton. Yeah. Maybe get a little, Goody. Uh, yeah, a little Sam Goody, get a little uh, I don't know, cinnamon roll and you're and you're good. And buy some jeans at JC Penny and you're and you're off and rolling. Um, <laughs> there you go. And and so and so marketing then was about getting books into channels. You know, and if you had a right. big marketing budget, then you could you could advertise and it was print advertising. So it was magazine advertising and and maybe even newspaper advertising. There was no internet advertising. You know, and I don't know how much they did with like radio advertising for books. Maybe if it was a super A-list offer, author. But so that means that it's all about trade conventions and things like that. So in the Christian industry, there used to be this thing called, uh, well, there still is a thing called ICRS, the International Christian Retailing Show. It used to be mm-hmm. the CBA Annual Convention, Christian Booksellers Association, where mm-hmm. all of these like thousands of independent bookstore owners would convene in Denver or Orlando or Atlanta or wherever in June and they would go from publisher to publisher and place their orders for the next couple publishing seasons. So mm-hmm. publishers had a huge presence, paid a ton of money, had ads, ran all sorts of specials, and would do tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales in this one three-day stretch. Dude, and like deals <laughs> would be made at this thing, right? Oh, yeah. So you're, you're, you're making the deals on site, which I think is just very 1985 in an right. awesome way. And, and, then, and then it's also important because like the big authors are coming to speaking. So this is the way for the mom and pop bookstore in Boise, Idaho to hear Max Licato speak. You know, dude, they get to meet Max. They get to go to a little meet and greet in the evening, and Max is like, dude, there's nothing you know, like meeting Max, man. Yeah, and, and usually, I mean, usually there's yeah. usually there's like an evening concert or something, so they get to hear like mm. I don't know who's like Larry Norman or someone. I don't know. Maybe he was a little too edgy for for the Christian books. <clears throat> dude, you know who I heard recently, man? Oh, hang on one second. It, it was some very 1980s guy, and and my university brought him in for like the big. Steve Green. Thank you, baby. Oh, my gosh. Baby, we got to hear Steve Tell Green. Tell me you didn't just say Steve Green. I felt like I was in 1985 at ICRS about to make you a were. deal with Max Lucado. You were. Man. Yeah, it was amazing, dude. Wow. Amazing. So that all of this adds up to like marketing publishing then is super cyclical because everything is seasonal. There's these big conventions. There's you have your salespeople. So there's periodic sales conferences because you have these guys who are they're literal road reps. They're driving around with a trunk full of book samples to go into bookstores. They're showing their pitch sheets. They're making their traveling salesmen. And then and then they they're are, fa- they're faxing or calling in their orders at the end of the day. 
It was a um, kinder, gentler time. So, kinder, gentler time, Ron. You know that that fax machine's humming. I know. Life what's is crazy good. is when I started in publishing in 2005, this stuff was all still going on. It was like it was the internet had come up, but it had like, commerce hadn't totally taken over there yet. So mm-hmm. my first job was part of it was entering orders that our road reps at that point they were emailing them in. But some of them did fax in depending on where they were. So they would email it from, you know, their, their La Quinta Inn at, in, in, in the middle of Oklahoma. And, yes. and I'd, and I'd enter it in. And so, you know, and these are orders for like 17 books from, from each yeah. bookstore because they're tiny stores. It's like one of these and two of these and three of these and, and so on. Dude, the glitz and glamour. Yeah. Oh, and so, God. and so it was just, now the whole thing is is digital marketing. Like everything is digital marketing, print marketing, conventions, Sucks. all that stuff. Like it exists, but it's generally viewed as an archaic nuisance. Dude, I love the idea of a guy in like a sport coat, like a sweaty guy driving through a you know a, a drive through to get food and like pulling up to a a bookstore, like trying to sell my book out of the back of his. Uh, the back so of his epic, car. huh? It's I so- love that. It's the way oh. it's supposed to be. That's it's why you love it, Big be. T. That's hey, baby, right. here's my question for you. Um, now, I, now, I'm probably totally ignorant and wrong, man, but I'm going to throw it out there in this way. <laughs> I can't imagine that maybe your job as a prof um, has really changed that much with technology. Has or has it not? It hasn't. It hasn't changed at all. Yeah, I was which, wondering that, right? You know, academia really, I mean, always we're on the cutting edge of just getting people ready for the, the real world. That's what we do. But, but, but no, <laughs> our, uh, <laughs> that being said, our thing hasn't changed at all. In fact, you know, I, I digress. I should caveat that a bit. Like, if you're teaching English, I mean, if you're teaching like, you know, the, the medieval epic poem, that hasn't changed at all. Um, my my thing has changed some actually. Yeah, because you're doing do journalism, our, which is yeah, I'm doing journalism, now. which is always changing. It's different now. So we're doing our our paper online, and we're obviously reading current stories. And you know, my my thing has changed quite a bit. But the way hmm. the way that I do it, like you know, the way that I talk, the way that I would interact in the class, the the thing about 1985 that would be way better, and that I've that I've really screwed up. I wish I could go back like two years and undo this. I've given my students way too much access to me. Like mm. they do know how to get a hold of me at all hours. And by and large, they totally take advantage of that. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if I could go back to a 1985 environment where I could be like, you know what, fax me your, your question, <laughs> um, fax it to my secretary and, you know, I'll get back to you in like three to five business days. Um, you know, I, I feel like that would be a nice that would be a nice situation for me as a prof. Yeah. Man. It would just give me a little more time to to kind of ruminate on some of those questions. But uh, I bet yeah. your students yeah, love you for that, though. They, they, I, I don't know. I hope they do. I mean that 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 would be kind of the only upside to it, to be honest. But uh, um, no, I, I hope they do. And to be to be fair to them, I mean, I enjoy the interaction ninety five percent of the time. But um, but yeah, when. I don't know. It's it's just it's one of those things you can't undo. You know what I mean? I can't be like, "Hey, everybody, lose my number." Um, <laughs> can't put the, the toothpaste back in the tube, Ted. That's it, man. That's it. So, uh, but yeah. Otherwise, I don't know that. I don't know that being a prof in 1985 looks a whole lot different. Except having just watched the Rodney Dangerfield classic Back to School, I feel like I would have dressed a little bit differently. I feel like I'd I'd wear like a tweed sport jacket with with elbow patches and. Um, you know, I'd probably drive like a, like a, uh, you drive the same car you do now. Cause it's from yeah, about yeah, 1985. 
I'd, I'd drive an old Cadillac, except that back then it would be new. It would be just a current Cadillac. Um, but no, I, I'd want to drive like an old pretentious, like English professor car, like a, like a Volvo. Uh, yeah. Like a Volvo or even like a, like an old, like European convertible, you know, yeah. and walk around with a cane. I, I would be that guy. I'd want to be that guy in 1985, you know, just really play that, play that aspect of things. Up I mean, T, you could mo- like, dude, you could morph into that right now, dude. There's, I really there's no reason why you can't like turn, like slowly start putting those pieces into place. So by this time next year, like mm-hmm. they come in and they're looking at you like, dude, who are you? Dude, I need to give it a summer. So I need to take a summer to like rehab my image. And then yeah. and the next year, instead of like using any kind of screens in the classroom, I'm going to go back to those uh, yeah. like overhead things, like the little clear sheets of paper that you write on. Um, yeah. do, you, do you guys have profs that wrote on those in like the 90s? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go back to that, man. So that my my hands are like perpetually stained with uh, with ink from those markers and regularly, uh, to, man, regularly I like the pull, cane too, man. Yeah, Can keep, keep a, a pipe in your pocket for sure, so yeah. you can pull it out Dude, periodically and just sort of gnaw on the end thoughtfully. Baby, I hate to throw this out there. You're gonna have to chop your hair. You know that. I'm Dude, I'm gonna have to chop the '90s hair. I know that, yeah. baby. And yeah. uh, you know that that's gonna be tough. But I feel like you know certain concessions have to be made if you want to like fully go back to 1985. But um, here, here's a thought, boys. 1985, man, you're smoking in the classroom. You know what? Nobody, nobody minds in, in the mid eighties. If I'm puffing away at my pipe while I'm, while I'm teaching, which wow. is just phenomenal. You know, the students are out there smoking cigarettes. It's just, it's bonkers in 1985. It's in the classroom. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, so I'm enjoying that. Um, you better believe it. That's, uh, that's different. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably writing my books on a, like a Commodore 64 in 1985. Right. You don't I mean, think I'm you're thinking, typing those out on an analog writer? I mean, you don't think oh, you're... Oh, baby, yeah, you're right. I'm using an analog writer. I'm, I'm just I mean, you'd com- have to be... Yeah. Okay. I'm using the Commodore 64 to play a little Jordan versus Bird when I just need a break. But you then, know? I mean, but you, then you're, you you're faxing that manuscript, though, because you type it all out, you get your stack of pages, you make sure in the right order, and then you yeah. painstakingly fax it section by section to yeah. your editor at... You know, who is who is also smoking in his office and has so everything is coffee stained and ashes everywhere and he's rumpled and uh, and he works just down the hall from me where I'm working on our next big publishing convention. Dude, you know what I'm actually doing with that manuscript pipe? I'm uh, I'm I'm typing it out. I'm putting it into a neat stack. And I'm I'm tying a little piece of twine around it, like crosswise. Uh Like little like little women. Yeah, like little women, a little piece of twine, like long ways and sideways. And it, 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 that's how I see the manuscript come together in 1985. And then, you're and dry, you're gently, dropping paper on that guy's desk on that. I'm dropping paper desk. on the desk, so I'm I'm gently then placing it into a box and having my secretary nail it. So it's coming to you at the convention, like uh, like the, the little bellhop comes up and says, you know, Mr. Piper, we have a, a package for you at the front desk. And then you you're like, oh sweet, and you you run down and you grab it, and it's my manuscript. And, and you're like, I want to make a deal. I want to sign this guy six figures, like buy, sell, buy, sell. Which is another thing. Which is another thing that could happen in 1985. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the six figure book deal, man. You know, the, I mean, the sky was the limit in 1985. Yeah. Oh, do you guys not get those? You got? Oh, you guys don't get the. You guys don't get those. This, oh, um, carry Baby, on. You, you're going to be getting one of those after this weekend, man. Sharing that that windshield time with with Crouchy and Pallison and. The other guy who whose name I've forgotten, but it's gonna be a, it's gonna be amazing. 
It's going to be raining money after this weekend, baby. I mean, when my fiction deal comes in, boys, I mean, that's, oh, I don't know if Christmas I'm going to have sweater. time enough for this podcast. Maybe where's the Christmas yeah. sweater at, man? Give us a little update. What's the, what's the, uh, you know, just uh, wait, waiting on a couple of, uh, waiting on a couple of interested pubs, believe it or not. Mm. So, uh, getting mm. the, get the final yes or no. And, uh, mm. I'll, I'll have, hopefully I'll have something to report here in the next month. Wow. So. You got some I, irons in the I fire. Expect you got to some see chestnuts you. roasting in the fire. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no. And I like how you brought that together. Some mm. chestnuts roasting in an open iron fire. Mm. I expect <laughs> to see you at the next International Christian Retailing Show as a feature speaker because oh, yes. nobody loves Christmas fiction like independent Christian retailers, the 32 that still exist. Dude, right. they're going to go. I know. And that's what I'm banking on. That's what my like whole that. career is banking on right now is those 32 independent Baby, retailers. Baby, if you can get if you can get four copies each into those 32 stores. I'm no math guy, but that's, that's big. A, that's a lot of books right there. That's I big. Mean, that's huge. Yeah, man. Huge. I don't, do you realize my time is going to be so accounted for when that hits? I'm, I will mm. not, let me just, let me just do an early resignation right now from, uh, from the podcast. Boys. You're not going mean, to have the freedom to oh, I'm not gonna have travel in the, in the way that you're accustomed. I'm to. not going to have the freedom. I'm going to have to do office hours after that. You're I mean, gonna I'm going to have to that desk oh, Christmas absolutely. sweater too, because they're going to want a sequel. Don't oh, think for man, a minute yeah. they aren't. Well, don't think for a minute this isn't going to be like a six-book deal. It's not just for one book. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a series. It's going to be never-ending. Wait, wait, wait. How about what this? What is the sequel? Like Christmas pajamas? The Christmas sweaters. There's multiple sweaters. <laughs> They've oh, already written goodness. the Christmas sweaters, boys. I mean, there's something else. I have something else in the works. I mean, I can't be— Christmas I can't be, blazer. I mean, the Christmas blazer. The Christmas vintage military jacket. Christmas cravat. It rolls off the tongue. The Christmas the, boots. Yeah. The Christmas Red Wings. Hipster's the Christmas first wings. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> right. Red Wings uh, for Christmas. Oh, Red Wings for Christmas. Everybody's happy. You know? That's, that, that's your next that's morning. your next song right there, Ronnie. Red Wings for Christmas. It, that's that sounds like that sounds like a modern Christmas carol. Oh man, if only I was a if only I was a Nashville artist, man. If only I had a little oh, bit of that country gosh. twang to add to my repertoire, I could do little Red steel Wings. Steel guitar, for baby? Oh my gosh, I hate everything right now. Mm. I hate all I music. Know. I hate all books. I hate all podcasts. What are you listening to right now, baby? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, boys, we've got uh, we've got time for one more topic, I think, and um, and maybe maybe we've crossed over into this category today. I'm not I'm not <laughs> sure, but um, being being that we're three guys who kind of lean in a reformed direction theologically. I feel like we're uniquely qualified to comment on what makes for a good or boring reformed podcast. And Big R, this, this, was, this was another pre-production meeting Big R topic. So uh, I feel like, baby, you had something in mind when you, when you uh, presented this to us. So I want you to talk about what makes for a good or boring reformed podcast. Baby, you know what's weird, man? I'm not going to name any names, but I actually, mm. I, I we're, don't. We're better than that. We are better know? than that. We are better than that. And I, and I don't. We're I also don't better than whatever are. names you're not going to mention. <laughs> <laughs> we're better than those names too. Mm. Um, but I don't, man, I don't listen to podcasts at all, including this one. And um, just so people know that, oh, do you listen to your, no, I've never listened to an episode of The Happy Rent ever. Baby, um, does that, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel superior? I mean, do oh, you feel I'm, somehow like detached from this because you don't listen to it? Oh, I mean, does it I mean, give you a sense of like I'm too busy or like what like 
you know, I just would never listen to my own voice. What's the, what? Oh, I mean, I just have a, I mean, I rarely ever listen to one of my finished records. I've, I don't read my books. I don't listen to my mm. podcasts. I just, that's just not something I engage in. When I'm done with something, I'm done with it. Like I've, you know what? I'm, I'm even better than that. I don't even read it while I'm typing it. I, I actually I even, just close my eyes. Guys, I don't even know if you ask me what, what work I've done in the areas of, of books or recording. I don't even, I've not, I'm not done anything. I'm not even listening to you right now. That's how detached from this I am and, right. and, and sort of, you know, noncommittal and nonchalant about it. Absolutely. I won't even, this won't even be a distant memory for me after we're done. Right. <laughs> just on to the next thing. On, on to the, the next, next Christmas thing. sweater. You know? So, I mean, I don't even, so I listened to a couple of, so just for kicks, right. I, uh, I forget what I was doing, but I listened to it. Maybe I was driving. I listened to a couple of podcasts, you know, that would fit into the category of what we're doing. And cause I was just curious <laughs> And um, so it, it just kind of struck me like I, I feel like all I got from these podcasts that I listened to was just it was just information, information, information. There was no sense of like there, I mean, there was it, it, they took themselves so incredibly seriously. And uh, so I maybe newsflash. That's what reform guys do. Though. No, I know. I know. I, know. Yeah. I, I remember I know we're too good for the end of the world. We're too good for the end of the world. Hashtag we're too good for the end of the world. So it just made me think like, man, what would make me want to listen to one of these things? And I thought about our program and I thought, Mm -hmm. well, at least, at least we're trying not to take ourselves so seriously. So I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to pose the question, you know, like what are those lines? And I think to me leading off with not taking everything so seriously has to be sort of what, what you, uh, what you ground your, your program in, but I've not heard any other programs that do that. And maybe you guys have, but like I haven't, you know what I mean? You know what, what would make me want to listen to a reformed podcast would be if they were just talking Not about a reformed pro football. Podcast. Yeah. If they were talking about pro football, like trades or maybe the draft and there was nothing about reform stuff in it at all. And maybe just threw out a TK quote every once in a while to like ground their Exactly. NFL pick. Although I wouldn't listen to that. If that had anything to, to do with me, I wouldn't listen to it. I wouldn't acknowledge it. Right. <laughs> right. Five, what about you? What makes a good reformed podcast um, or a boring one? Well, I, I mean, to give, to give a head nod to the boring reform podcast, they know their audience. Um, they do. Absolutely. I mean, they're doing well with it. Yeah, I mean, toward our audience. Is that what you're saying, Pipe? Is we don't really have any regard, or I think we respect our audience, but we don't care. We're we're not really that concerned about what we know they truly want. I'm pretty sure we do whatever we want, and and the moment that we the moment that we stop enjoying doing this because we want to do it is the moment the happy rant goes goes away. Uh, Agree. And and the fact is that I think I think the audience enjoys it. Because it's because we like it. It's not because we're trying to shape and crack. We're not crafting anything. We're not shaping yeah. anything. We're just we're just talking about stuff and making jokes and having a conversation that we like. And I think that's. I also. I mean, it's funny to call this a reformed podcast because we never talk theology, which may which may speak as as to why we think this is a good. Podcast. Which is one thing I actually love about doing this podcast. Yeah, I, I'm not interested in talking about uh, whatever whatever theological uh, nuance or point in general. I mean, those things matter, but not on this podcast. Um, and so, yeah, they, those people know their audience. And I would venture to guess that most of the people who enjoy those other podcasts 
would find us trite and boring and mundane and frivolous and a whole bunch of other multisyllabic words that they would that they would try to shame us with and they would tell us we're better than that and uh, mm-hmm. and such things all of which I find very encouraging because it means uh it means we're doing things the way that we want to do them I mean, Pipe, I like what you just said a minute ago. I want to hit on this for one second, man. Isn't it amazing that we can actually do something in this day and age that we don't have to craft, as you just put it? Like, I, I dig that. Like, we can do something that doesn't have to be crafted, which is like, which is kind of like the, the key word that you have to use to give a level of importance for like anything that you do, which is like, no, no, I, I crafted this. And it's like, yeah. we're, we're literally saying right now, like listeners, this is the most uncrafted thing that you will ever take part of. I gave this no thought ahead of time. There's Zero no thought. We're not even going to have a distant memory of it when we're done. Right. Yeah, I would, I would say right. like one out of 15 episodes we do, we do anything crafting for because we're trying to do something different. And so, you know, we'll send questions three days in advance instead of three hours in advance so that we can mm-hmm. think of a list of you know, when Ted and I do the NFL podcast, we thought about those questions for a few minutes, you know, yeah. we, when we've done some of these other ones, we've thought about it for a little bit, but like, but if we had to do that every week, we'd quit doing this podcast because that's no fun. For sure. It's fun for periodically. Sure. It's not the way that we want to do this though. Indeed. So is our audience just cooler? Like, cause I feel like we have a lot of, a lot of like ministry dudes in our audience and seminary students. And it's, it's probably roughly the same demographic that some of these other unnamed reformed podcasts are, are hitting, but what's, what's different about our people? I think they want permission to take it easy and have fun and not be so dang serious about everything. I like that, man. And I like that. We answer, certainly Pipe. don't take things super seriously. I mean, we, it's not that we are unserious people. Clearly you're a professor. Ronnie is a pastor. I work in Christian publishing and, and an academic publisher and all of us have a ministry component to our lives. So we are, we do take things seriously, but this is permission not to not take this. everything seriously all the time and to just, just enjoy yourself sometimes and make jokes because sometimes exactly. life is way more enjoyable when you do that. It is, man. It is. And, uh, I, I, for one, I'm glad that, uh, that we, that we do that boys and we will be making jokes in Louisville. Um, in a room where people can, can laugh at those jokes in real time. And, uh, that's an exciting thing uh, for me to think about. Um, you know, big R, how are you going to deal with like the fact that you're going to be doing the show and in a sense, listening to the show at the same time, that won't give you the opportunity to sort of be detached from it in the, in the way that you like. Um, I'm going to find a way to to completely erase it from my memory as I'm doing it. And after I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call a specialist. I'm going to bring him in and uh, we're going to work. Do we need out. to build you like a little separate alcove? I think they like call that room. I think they call that vodka. <laughs> you know, we need to put pipe. We need to put Ronnie in like the, like an office and we can just <laughs> Skype him in as you just fa- fax in the right? questions and all. Yeah. I'll we'll fax in, in the, the questions or we could just have him seated on the podium, but like facing the wall instead of facing <laughs> the audience. That'll give him the sense of like, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds delightful. That Big T, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, we're, I, baby, I'm trying to look out for you in this. You know, I just, I just want the experience to be what you need it to be. Um, <laughs> maybe your handler can, can like, oh, my you in a different take room. care of a lot of things. Don't worry. You just got to talk to him anyway. We'll Dude, remember when we talked about that for like 20 minutes? 
Like, yeah, I know that. That for some reason crazy. that really upset you. I don't know why that brought such level of that was anger. Incredible. I don't know why. I don't know why I did either. It was. It yeah, I mean, was you're angry right now. Twenty minutes. You're yeah, angry was, right now. Even going back to it. What's going on with that, Big T? Why the anger? Can we talk I don't about know, that? Man. Like, uh, give us no. a minute. Uh, what's going on, baby? <laughs> baby, nothing's going on. It was just a lot. It was a lot of words about 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 handlers. But, did, uh, did you have a Did you have a bad experience with a handler? Like, were you were you hosting an event and there was a there was an exceptionally rude handler? Did you once try to have a handler and it went sideways? Like, is, is there a backstory? Get a handle on some handlers here, man. You're going you're going all Freudian on me, man. You're digging into the childhood. You know, I like that. Keep digging. Did your yeah. dad make you call him the handler? I mean, what are we talking about? <laughs> I love Hopefully it, it wasn't I an uncle. It. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, man. Rachel the Hell Evans. Yeah, Rachel the Hell Evans, boys. Actually, you know what? We have wandered to and fro. So, uh, Rachel the Hell Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So, if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.